You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to kind of land there in just a few minutes. <clears throat> so Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, we'll, we're going to talk about some things, and we're going to drop in on that passage and just oversee a few verses of that here in a little while. But I need to ask you, what word would you use to describe your emotion or your feeling as you came into this place this morning for worship. Think about it for just a minute. What word? I see a hand. Love. Wow. Good word. Good word. Yes. Excitement. Do what? You're tired. You know, thank you for being truthful. My goodness. Let me throw out a few words and you just kind of consider them here for a moment. How about this word? Anticipation. That that fit? Anticipation. How about this one? Anxiety? Because if you're one of the guys running sound or PowerPoint or you have anything to do with anything that goes on during the service, will it work right? Is it going to stay tuned in? What's going to Anxiety probably best describes those emotions as you pull things together. Um, excitement, that word's already there. How about this word? Fearful. Fearful. Now, some of you shake your heads no on that, and that's fitting, but, but what if they call on me to pray? What if they call on me to serve in a way that I haven't served before? What if they ask me something that I don't know the answer to? Sometimes, it's just as simple as this. You're new, and the question is, am I going to fit in? For those who are new to church, church can be a pretty scary place. Don't understand the words, don't understand what they're... There's a lot of churchy words that we use sometimes that the general world doesn't understand. So, am I going to know what's going on? Who am I going to know? What a, Fearful can be a word. How about this? Dread. Dread. Coming into confrontation with other believers, with the Lord... Coming into confrontation can sometimes create conflict in our souls, and sometimes we just struggle to land where we need to land. So dread could be, and i got to be honest with you, there are some of you that as you walked in the place this morning, the primary word on your heart was this, whatever. That seems to be the answer that's pretty popular these days. Your feelings. Your emotion, your ideas as you came into worship this morning have been guided in part by where you have been in the past and what you have experienced and what you expect to get out of worship today. Those two things combine to meet right here where we are to try to figure out if this is what we need and where we need to be. And let's be honest, some of us came in this morning expecting to interact with God. Some of us came this morning expecting to meet with him, talk with him, commune with him, share with other believers. Some of us came in this morning with the ideal that we would walk out the door different than we were when we came in. And the converse of that is true as well. There were some of us, let's just lay it on the line. There were some of us that got up and said, it's Sunday. 
Church is what I do on Sunday. But we really didn't expect anything to change, and we expected to go home the same person that we were when we came in the door. Just being real. Sometimes we walk into a place because we need some inner healing, and we're in some turmoil. Sometimes we come in because it's been a fabulous week, and we're just elated about what's going on. What did you expect when you came in the door this morning? Look at Hebrews 12. I want to start reading at verse 18. Hebrews 12, 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that's burning with fire, to darkness, to gloom, and to a storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that even Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Those are some powerful words. Now let's get the picture for just a moment. You have been for over 400 years in a setting, your entire growing up, someone else told you where to go, when to eat, what to do, how to do it. They oversaw every aspect of your life. You were not allowed to think for yourself. Everything was dictated for you. And now you've got this idea, hey, Pharaoh's going to let us go and we get to go out to worship. What is worship? You've never experienced it. We get to rally together and celebrate before God. Who's God? Is he one of the idols that we had in Egypt? What are we doing in this place? What's this? Everybody, can you imagine the scene, what it must have been like? Getting the family together, piling everything on an ox cart, trying not to leave out anything, especially the kids, and you're pulling all this together in the middle of the night. Now, I want you to catch it. This is happening household across household across Egypt, some two million people. Can you use the word chaos? Can you use the word confusion? You're coming together and the quest has been to be able to go out into the land that was promised and be able to worship. You're not sure what worship is. You're anxious to try because you've heard other people dreaming about it with longing. And you're anxious to try it. And who is this dude Moses? Can I even trust him? He's leading us out there in the desert, not to a good place. What are we going to do? I have no doubt that there were skeptics in the crowd that thought this is absurd. And I have no doubt that there are some that were just ready to go and meet with the Lord. And you thought getting your household in the car this morning was an experience just to get here? Can you imagine what that must have been like for those people? This description from verse 18 to 21 is a scary description. Mountains belching forth smoke. Lightning, thunder, some kind of undiscernible noise, voice, trumpet, whatever it was. The voice of God entering into that place. Sights, sounds. What would it have been like? Let me back up in history a little bit with you. The year 1980. I can see some of you and you resemble me so I know you remember that day. Five times in 1980, a volcano out in, in uh, Washington State called Mount St. Helens erupted. You remember that? Mount St. Helens erupted er, five times. Can you imagine a, a mountain that was growing at the rate of five feet 
per day until it got to where it blew its top literally. I was there June of 1980. I saw the second eruption. A cubic mile of dirt, trees, rock, debris. Can you picture a cubic mile of stuff 60,000 feet in the air drifting toward Canada and leaving utter destruction in his path. Now, I want you to imagine this. The children of Israel were going from a spot of slavery where they were not allowed to know anything about God, and they need to be impressed. They were serving an awesome God. They were gathering together in front of a mighty God. They need to know this is a powerful God, and they needed to recognize that the one who held their future in the palm of his hand also contained powerful forces, just like Mount St. Helen, just like the, the F5, that hit Joplin, just like the one that came through here in 2003. The God that holds all of that together is the God that they were going to meet with. And coming out of a slave culture, they needed to be impressed with the awesome majesty and power of God. That's why they took place. Guess what? Coming in our culture where we enjoy air conditioning and we enjoy microwaves and air fryers, and satellite TV, and wireless phones, we need to be reminded that we still serve an awesome, majestic, mighty God. That's why this text is here. We are looking at God and the things around Him. The threat of death, folks, in that day and time, fear was a huge part of this experience that they were going to have in front of the mountain. Fear taught them the power of that God. Fear, reverent fear, holy fear, mighty fear, compelled them to come face to face with who that was, that He might get their attention as the Lord God Almighty. You know what my hunch is? There are some elements of fear that we don't experience when we come into worship. There are probably some times in our life that we have forgotten what fear looks like, fear of a holy, reverent, awesome, mighty God. Sometimes we need to be reminded of this. You know, in the early church, they did. They were just a few years from the time Jesus walked on the face of the earth. Can you imagine a time, and some churches still do this, to where the offering plate will be down front, and people will get up and come down and place their gift in the offering plate. Maybe you've done that. I've seen it done at Christmas time when they would put a manger down front, and people would come and place their gift. Some of you are nodding. You're familiar with that. You remember the days when we passed the plates, and somebody, you know, let's go back to the book of Acts, chapter 5. It's offering time. This guy comes in, comes down, and he's prideful, and he's bubbly, and he's animated. I sold some property, and here's what I got for it. And he lays the gift at the apostle's feet. And the apostle says, how dare you? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. Is this really what you got with that? Oh, yeah, it is. Truth was, they put a part of it back in the piggy bank to save for later and tried to lie to God, tried to lie to the Holy Spirit, tried to lie to the church. Folks, that just doesn't work. Now, you're in worship service. A dude comes up to put his, oh, can I say dude in church? Is that all right? The guy comes up and he puts his gift on the altar and he drops dead. Fear would take hold in the church. What do you think? A little while later, his wife comes in. She comes in. The apostle says, is this what you paid for the land? Sure is. Behold, the feet of the guys that carried your husband out. Down she went. 
I think there are some times in Scripture when truth is understated, and when it says fear came on the church, I think that's an understatement. I have never witnessed anyone die in church. I've seen some people pass out in church, and it is a scary thing. I can't imagine. Folks, sometimes we need to be reminded we are in the presence of a God who has that kind of power. And when we come into worship, we are confronting, communing with, communing with talking to, and interacting with that kind of God. Question. The thing with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 was a question of motive. What is your motive when you walk into a worship set with God? Look at me, God, I'm holy. Yeah, right? Look what I've done. I've whatever you've done to serve someone this week. Take up thy cross and follow me. Bear your, each other's burdens and thus fulfill all Christ. Remember the orphans and widows and their affliction and keep yourself unspotted from the world. What have you done? Folks, when we come into a worship set with God, our motive matters. We need to realize that. Our demeanor needs to be as if we are those slaves seeing God anew for the very first time and recognizing we bow in His presence because He is a fearful, holy God. And this teaching, the Scripture, is to remind us of that. We're not much different than they we need something, I need something to call me apart from the world in which I've immersed myself five to six days a week and be reflective, focus on, bow before, worship one who is so much bigger than I can ever dream of being. We, church, need to be confronted with someone so much more than ourselves. We need to be reminded He's the one that made us. He is our God. We need to be reminded that we love and we serve a God who is to be feared. Worship is the experience where we come together with others and realize we are undone. Look at Isaiah 6, 5. I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. There is only one who is holy, and He is God, but Worship is the place where I find myself accepted even by that kind of God. How can we help but bow in his presence? Not because we are forced to by the fearful things going on around us, but by the holy God whom we are intersecting with in this thing that we called worship. To truly enter worship, we need to say, wait a minute, God, I am undone. I stand in your presence, and I want to meet you. I heard a sermon, Terry and I heard a sermon a few months ago. One of the, one of the cool things that, you know, I'm a hospice chaplain, so I'm engaged every weekday with families. But one of the cool things is it gives Terry and I the opportunity to, um, to go to different churches and, and be with different congregations and, and just sit down and worship sometimes. It's a really, really neat opportunity. Heard a sermon a few weeks back. Here was the name of the sermon. Hang with me on this one. The Buttology of God. 
but God who is rich in mercy, but God who is loving, but God who, and the, 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 the speaker that day went through a lot of different ways God presents himself to the Israelites. Here in this text, we find that very thing. Look at verse 2, but, there it is. You have come, when we enter into worship, verse 22 of Hebrews 12, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyous assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God. That's what we're doing in worship. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better word than the blood of Abel. So, there's a transition in the text from the Old Testament picture of a fearful God that we are, are, are interacting with at worship, and yet we are allowed to live because of His grace, to a time when we are interacting through Jesus with this same holy God, but maybe in a little different way. I just want to roll through some things that that should prompt in our hearts and in our minds. Interacting with Jesus in this thing that we call worship should direct our thoughts. Now, you didn't know this, but I've been recording your thoughts. So we can kind of run through some of them here for a little while. Here's one that I ran across. How long is this guy going to talk? I'm getting hungry. Have you ever been there to worship? Sure you have. Why is that person on the other side of the room holding their hands up? Did they get uh, hairspray instead of right guard this morning and they can't put it back down? Well, what's going on with them? You know, we look at people while we're in worshiping and we kind of have some funny thoughts, don't we? Who is that person and why are they here. I know them at work. I, what are they doing here this morning in my church? Folks, let's face it. Sometimes that's where we find ourselves. In worship, the focus that this text is calling us to is to recognize God the Father seated on the throne, high and lifted up, exalted his train, filling the temple with glory, and we have the opportunity as a corporate body to come into that majestic presence. That's what worship is. When we gather in his place, may I just make a blanket statement? If you're like me, there are times that you have walked out the door after church on Sunday morning and you really don't feel like you've been changed. You really didn't interact with your people so often. It's because of what we were thinking as we went in. I said a while ago, our motive matters. Here's the goal of worship. Regardless of the songs, and I'm fully cognizant of the worship wars that have been default down through the years, the songs are guiding us to focus on God. The communion. The purpose is to allow us to commune with our Lord in gratitude for his sacrifice for us and to renew our pledge to him, to serve him as our Lord God, thanking him for our own sins being forgiven and meeting with him because of our salvation. Any other focus, all we did was have a snack. And that's it. We have been called, dear people, that when we come into corporate worship, that our thoughts are guided if my focus is in any other place when I'm in this setting. Dear people, guess what? I haven't worshipped. I haven't worshipped. 
the thought of meeting God in holy worship directs our behavior. Now, i got to go there. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that in Scripture, Lord said, make a joyful noise, because some of us just don't make a pretty noise when we sing. I am so thankful. You know, that's one of the best parts of heaven. It's going to be transformed into a voice that sounds pretty. <laughs> but folks, our spirit intertwining with the spirits of others when we come into corporate worship, according to Scripture, is a blessing and a pleasing aroma to God the Father. If you don't engage at least at some level, if you need to, stand there and meditate and just mouth the words. Lip syncing sometimes is acceptable in church, okay? Because it entertains and it engages our mind with the praises of God's people ascending to him that allows God to bask in that blessing. And we get to be a part of that. Prayer time is the same thing. So often we find ourselves listening as someone else prays. How about if we pray silently while they're praying? A few years ago, when I was in college, yeah, that was a few years ago, I was helping. I was, I was in a group, maybe you've heard of Impact Brass and Singers. We were at a conference, and they were using our sound system for part of another conference that was a group that worships a little differently than we I was at the soundboard running sound for that particular thing, and this was a group of people that they all prayed out loud at the same time. That was really weird. In the middle, there were 5,000 people, and I'm sitting in the middle at a table at the soundboard running it while the, man, it was kind of weird for me, but boy, was it ever unique. And I can get that. I don't know how God sorts out thousands of prayers all coming up to him at the same time, but I'm sure glad he does. My role in worship during prayer time is to be taking the thoughts, scripture, meditations of my heart, remember that phrase, and lifting them up to God. He already knows them, but he sure likes to hear them from me, that it may open a channel where he can pour into me his blessing and his goodness. That's what prayer accomplishes in worship. The thought of meeting a holy God in worship directs our preparation for this thing. I think I saw some of your house households this morning. You woke up and you arose from your pillow already with minty fresh breath. And you walked into the kitchen and there was a three-course breakfast on the table and the children were already bathed and dressed and ready and they were sitting in their places and they had smiles on their faces and you sat down and you engaged in this wonderful breakfast together and everyone was talking about the pleasant night that they had. Come on! That was not my household. We grew, Terry and I raised two boys. That was not our household oftentimes. Most of the time when we were in that setting, we were preaching at a church. I had three services that day. I would leave for the church very early. When Terry got the kids around, they'd get there. Second or third service, somewhere down the line. You know how it is when you're raising kids. You have scrambled to get them in the car. You ran back in the house to get the one that didn't get in the car. And you finally get in the car, and you're doing 98 miles an hour down the driveway. So you can get engaged. You come screeching in at the last minute. You come in and sit Made it. You're not ready for worship, are you? Really takes some mind adjustment sometimes, doesn't it? You know when preparation for worship really begins? Preparation for worship next Sunday begins on how I leave worship this Sunday. 
And it begins with what I have set in place during the week to guide and help me think about it so that I'm recognizing I will be focusing on God. And I need to get ready for that. I need to be aware of His goodness. And I need to get ready for that. And I need to take a break from what's happening in this world. I don't know what your preparation looks like. I hope to goodness that you have some type of devotions going on. My car's got uh, Bluetooth and, and I've got Sirius Radio in it. Sirius Radio, Sirius, I don't know how to pronounce that. But every morning, I've got anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to drive to get to the office where, where I begin my day at work. You version of the Bible and a Bible reading plan is what comes out through those speakers that entire time. Wherever I'm going to the first thing, first thing of the day. Because I know the, the stuff that I'm going to deal with and the families that I'm going to step into their hurt and their grief during the day. I need to get my brain and my spirit ready to engage that. That's my time. I don't know what yours looks like. The rest of the day while I'm at work as I'm rolling from one situation to another, the message radio is what I have on because it's putting out goodness and Bible verses and speaking into my mind and my heart, and it settles me down. Believe you me, when crisis hits families, it gets weird sometimes. I dealt with a guy for quite a while, and every time I met with him, I would be seating in front of him, and he had a loaded forty-five in his lap the whole time. Because his mind was so conditioned that this world was out to get him. And the day that he picked up that 45, dumped the shells, and laid it on the shelf beside him, and we started talking, and he asked this question, you think a God like that will have a man like me? I knew we were getting somewhere. You know? But I've got to get my brain in gear to be ready to engage in that kind of thing. I don't know what your work day looks like. But I do recognize that we need personal worship time and personal engagement with God and His Word and personal tuning ourselves in to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to get us ready to engage whatever that workday looks like. And folks, if you're not doing it, you're missing a blessing. I'll just say it that way. Because part of our engaging this God need, means that our preparation is ready to meet with, to commune with, to pray with the God who has called us. Think about this. The God who has called us into His holy presence for that moment in time. And by His grace, by His goodness, and by His love speaks to every one of our ears, I love you. And I want you to be mine. And I got a home ready for you in heaven. Oh man, I long for that home, don't you? Part of getting ready for that happens right here in this very room. When we come together in corporate worship. Now, having said all of this, let me encourage you in this way. The times that you struggle in worship, don't beat yourself up and kick yourself in the back and all that other kind of stuff. That's when you say, Lord... Today is not a good day, and I'm struggling. Help me. That's a promise he's going to answer. That's a prayer he's going to hear. That's him in his goodness drawing us into his arena of worship. 
And I am thankful we don't live where it's the blood of bulls and goats. I cannot imagine what worship smelled like in the Old Testament days. My goodness, been to a slaughterhouse. But we come into the presence, nonetheless, of a holy, living God who says this about you and me. I have done everything necessary to allow you to live with me for eternity. Get your heart right with me. I'll even give you the how. I'll give you Jesus. Get your heart right with me. I'll guide you every day through the Holy Spirit intertwining with your spirit, leading you where you need to be to interact with God. I will do everything I can, but folks, you've got to take the first step. I don't know what that means for some of you, just in all honesty, some of you, I know bits and pieces of your lives. I know some of the struggles that you've, you've gone through. And the only thing I can say is God has been and God will be there all the time. And the way we connect to draw that energy and that strength from Him happens in worship. Whether it's in this place or in our own, wherever it might be, car, office, whatever. But worship is essential if we are going to become all that God desires us and is equipping us to be. So let me ask you again. What word describes your attitude and your emotion when you come into worship? I've got to be honest with you. There are some times that the only thing I can do is shut up singing and cry because of what takes place in worship. And there are some, some times that I simply have to bow my head in prayer because I realize I'm the guy in Isaiah 6 that's undone and unbroken and unclean. And I need his healing. And there are some times that I come in and just am overwhelmed by his glory. And I'm thankful it doesn't have to be a mountain that's built in smoke to bring that. It's the power of the Spirit of God in our hearts intertwining, intertwining with us, welcoming us to worship how are you doing today in this thing that we call worship? Father God, wow, Lord, we appreciate so much your invitation that we can worship. We appreciate so much the sacrifice of Jesus that's been laid down, ushering us into this time of worship. And Lord, we anticipate with great expectations the throne room where we will gather with you for an eternity of worship. But God, our struggle is today. We come into this room, Lord, with things on our hearts and trouble in our minds and, and things that we need your solution and your peace and your guidance to help us work through. Thank you that in the avenue of worship you provide and you deliver and you equip and you lead us to peace. But Lord, even to come into your presence to accomplish those things, we need your help. Thank you for being there. Lord, in a few minutes, we're going to come around your table. And we even need your help with our focus that we look at that table for what you have intended it to be. Help us. And Lord, there may be some of us this morning that are still trying to figure out who this God is and what this worship is about. Prompt us to ask questions. Lead us to people who can teach us. And Lord, thank you so much that in your majesty, in your power, in your sovereignty, in all the qualities that you possess, you've still looked at us and said, I want you. Thank you, Lord. 
Help us worship. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.